Thank you for joining us on Community Focus this morning, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. We are very fortunate to have two representatives of the main giving organizations in Miami and Broward here today to tell us about the importance of year-end giving and provide some guidance on choosing how and to what nonprofits you give. From the Community Foundation of Broward County, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications is Kirk Engelhart. And I know everybody knows about Give Miami Day. That was November 16th this year. And that is an invention of the Miami Foundation that has been wildly successful at raising funds for nonprofits. Their president and CEO with us, Rebecca Fishman Lipsy. And we're going to share the results of this year's Give Miami Day in just a bit. But first, the two foundations do things a little bit differently. Let's start with you, Kirk, and tell us about how the Community Foundation of Broward does giving and why it's so important to have year-end giving both for the community foundation and for the community. Thank you. The Community Foundation of Broward, we are 40 years old, been in this community for a long time and really are the endowment for the community. So what an endowment is, uh, essentially, we work with people who are um, of means in the community who have money that they want to give away that they really want to be strategic with that and they want to see a real result happen in the world. We also have a good amount of unrestricted dollars that we do give away that we use for our leadership initiatives within the community to have a real impact on people's lives every day. Now, endowment, when somebody sets up an endowment, they give a lump sum of money. It goes into a fund. That uh, principal is invested and the money made off of that investment, a percentage of that is put back into the community as grants to nonprofit organizations every year. And as the market continues to grow that money, the amount of money we're able to give out grows along with that. And it's something that lasts forever. So we never spend down that principal on an endowment. It's about making sure that we have an insurance policy, really, for the community so that we know what issues we're dealing with today and we know how hard some of those issues are. But I don't think any of us have a crystal ball and can look in that and say, you know, we know what the issues are going to be 10 years, 20 years, 100 years down the road. What we do know is that the endowments will still be there and they will have grown throughout all of those years and will be still here supporting the needs of our community, no matter what the needs are down the road. And they're going to be very different than what we're dealing with today, I'm sure. What are some of the biggest needs right now? Oh, gosh. Uh, Mental health is a big one that we've been doing a lot of talking about. Affordable housing is a huge need. But really, the bigger issue is stability for families and, you know, struggling families and struggling kids, you know, employment opportunities for people, not just connecting them with jobs, but getting them the skills they need to get those jobs and to perform well in those jobs. And beyond skills, there's always a lot of different challenges that folks face that could prevent them from even taking a step towards having a better life, you know, getting a better job. You know, some just need a little bit of help with childcare to free them up enough to be able to go back to training or to take that new job or get on a different track. So a lot of what we are doing and what we have done is provide what we call hand ups where you know, you're helping somebody through a tough situation, helping them get over that hill, over the hump, so that they can then set themselves on a better track. And it benefits them, it gets them more stable, gets them moving in an upward trajectory, helps the whole family, and uh, also helps the community because they won't be in need of a lot of different services. In fact, many times folks who are in that situation end up giving back. So they help others because they know what it's like to be there. 
That's a big one for us. Environment is always a big issue here, especially in Broward County, because nobody knows how long we're going to be above water. You know, health is also just overall, uh, mental health is a big piece of that now that we've been talking about, but, you know, cancer and cancer research and cancer support, you know, there's a lot of people that are diagnosed with cancer here in Broward County each year. And it used to be that you had to leave the area in order to get good treatment. Now we have fantastic hospitals. We have amazing research and clinical trials and everything going on right here. And that's what we've been supporting through Community Foundation grants. And the arts, it may, to some, when we say arts, after all of those heavier issues, sounds kind of trite after we talk about struggling families and environment and cancer research, and then all of a sudden we go, hey, the arts. Well, we think of it more as a unifying force in the community. And there's a lot of kids, the access is, is a real issue. So it's not just underwriting a performance here or a performance there. It's how do we take arts and bring them to kids and to communities where they would never be able to go see a performance or have a painter teach them how to paint a canvas. And there's a lot of therapeutic benefits of the arts as well. So that ties into mental health and everything else. So really, when we think of arts, it's a lot more than just making sure that these great performances happen and these exhibits happen and murals are put up and the community is a beautiful place. It's about how do we engage people in it and what's the benefit to the community and how do we bring the community together around it? And with the endowed funds that we have, we have funds that are set up specifically for those purposes. We have some that are set up unrestricted. We're able to put that money there or wherever it's most needed. And then we have a ton of donor advised funds that, you know, we talk to those donors. We know what they're interested in, what their passions are, and we're able to match them up with the things that they really, you know, warms their heart to support. So you mentioned how you can do grants. And one of the big issues is people who are not stable and they need maybe just a little bit of support to get them out of a difficult situation. How do you reach them? Is it through an organization? You don't do direct grants to individuals, right? No, I think every community foundation gets the flood of requests from individuals saying, hey, here's my story. Can I get a couple thousand dollars to do X, Y, or Z? But the reality is, you know, we're bound by a lot of different rules and we can't just give money to people like that. So we fund nonprofit organizations that are out in the community and they're the boots on the ground. That's where the rubber meets the road. And um, having a strong nonprofit community is huge. And it's hugely important for any foundation because we rely on them to actually do the work that we're funding, which is why we've started up the Broward Center for Nonprofit Excellence, where we're trying to strengthen the nonprofits right here in our community, give them a leg up, give them some training and some access. And even some of the smaller organizations that felt like we were off limits because we only do big grants to big, well-known organizations. Well, we've changed that. If they go through the nonprofit center, they get a whole lot of training that helps them become a lot more sustainable and resilient as organizations. Also helps them with strategy and thinking through how they're going to grow and how they're going to scale and how they're going to help more people. But at the end, they can get a grant out of that that helps them implement some of these programs that they develop during their training. Now, I say all of that not to pat ourselves on the back, but the reality is the stronger the nonprofits are, the better everybody is. And we rely on them as a funding organization to do great work in the community. So, yeah, the nonprofits are really the conduit to all of that. What criteria do you use to vet the nonprofits to determine which ones are okay to give grants to? Really, we want to make sure that they're stable organizations, their finances are in order, they have a strong board and strong leadership, they have a vision, and they're actually able to deliver, you know, like physically and financially and, you know, able to deliver what it is they're promising. 
and then they're required to report back to us on what it is they've done with the money that they got in the grant. And then it's one of the commitments we make to the donors. You know, we need to make sure that they know that the money that they have entrusted us with is actually being used for the purpose that it's intended. Okay. So, Rebecca, Miami Foundation, you work a little differently. Can you explain what the foundation does? And in addition to Give Miami Day, which we all know about, how do you work with the nonprofits? And also, what are some of the key issues that you're looking at? Let's see if Broward and Dade have any differences. Yeah, sounds good. Also, love the Community Foundation of Broward and have a very close friendship with your CEO. So, I mean, really across the country in most major communities, there is a community foundation who has held itself responsible for the health of that community through generosity and grant making and understanding what the issues are that matter most. And because the contours of each of our communities are different and the leadership of our communities is different, the shaping of what our community foundations become, kind of adhering to the call of the moment and the call of the leadership that's there. And so here in Miami, I'll say a couple things are true. One is, you know, this is a young city and we have so many small nonprofit organizations. So as opposed to like a New York or a Chicago that has a very established nonprofit ecosystem and philanthropic ecosystem, both on the philanthropy side and also on the nonprofit side, a lot of what we have is new. And then also on the corporate side, we have very few large global headquarters here in Miami. And those that are here often are the outpost for their kind of Latin American efforts as opposed to their national efforts. Also, the majority of people who live in Miami call somewhere else home, have emigrated here from somewhere else, have moved here potentially even recently from either another part of the country or another country in itself have retired here. And so it's a very interesting thing to think about when your responsibility is the health of the future of this place and how to promise forever that the issues that matter most will be taken care of. How do you help build a healthy sense of local responsibility, of shared ownership, of belonging? And so for us, that's why we do things like Give Miami Day, where the call to action is get everybody in Miami to feel a sense of belonging, of shared ownership, of finding their cause of giving back, making on-ramps for people who may not be ready yet to leave an endowment or a legacy gift, but who we are priming to be philanthropists exactly as they are in their life here right now in this moment. And so we also do what most community foundations across the country do, which is house and grow and build legacy gifts and have permanent grant funding that we are able to give out each year now and forever. But a big part of our identity right now is about creating that sense of belonging and also sustaining and growing the capacity of this huge network of very small nonprofit organizations. What do you have now, 900, 1,000 in your database? First of all, it's a very large community. And we have rural parts down in the south in Miami, and we have urban core areas. There's a lot going on here. Every issue area from coastal work that we're doing related to the environment and resilience to digital divide work to help everybody get access to the internet, to food insecurity, to arts institutions, to education. There, there's a lot that goes into making a community thrive for everybody. And so when you look, you'll see over a thousand organizations at this point. And some of those are large institutions, our art center, our universities, but many of them are neighborhood leaders who realize that there was a gap for something specific. So I'll think about like, let's say Showering Love, and they actually do work in Broward as well. I don't know if you know that, I I love her so much as a genie. She experienced homelessness for 10 years 
And as a woman who experienced homelessness, she understood that people would give her food, people would give her water, sometimes they'd give her money, but she was never clean. She could never go interview for a job or pull herself out of the situation she was in because she constantly was looked at as as dirty. And she said, you know, when I get my life together, I'm going to bring showers to people who are experiencing homelessness. And now she has retrofitted a bus. She now has two buses and she has them move around our communities to give showers to people who are experiencing homelessness. And this is not a huge institution. This is a woman on a mission to solve a problem. And Everywhere I look in Miami, in every neighborhood, there are a large volume of people who, from their personal experience, understand the need and are finding like a really powerful way to give back. And we think they are really important to the health of our community, and we want to make sure that they are able to sustain their work. Could you narrow down maybe four or five key issues that are really urgent right now in Miami-Dade? Yeah, there's a few. So the first is housing affordability is a huge issue, like economic mobility and housing affordability. You know, we're really proud that Miami has become such a hotspot over the last few years. I think when people realized they could work from anywhere, they began looking around the country to see where where could they possibly go that might bring them more joy. And they flocked to Miami and to Broward as well and, and Palm Beach. But as that happened, housing affordability, we became the most unaffordable city in the country. And what that means is that a good 50% of people living in Miami are house poor. They're spending so much money on their rent that they can't afford to get sick. They can't afford to have a flat tire. And so organizations that are helping people to sustain and that are helping find more systemic solutions to housing and affordability are really important right now to us. Say another major issue area, and this is true for all coastal cities across the country, but especially in Miami, we're ground zero for climate change and sea level rise. And what I'll tell you is that philanthropically across the country, only 2% of charity dollars go towards environment organizations. And in Miami, it's 4%. So we're double, we are double, but we are not yet pouring in the kind of resources necessary for the kind of solutions that are needed for the sustainability of our community. So that I would say that's issue number two. The third, for anyone who cares about economic prosperity for a community and for us with an affordability crisis that's top of mind, education is a huge issue. And in particular, making sure that our public school system is strong, that in every neighborhood we have wraparound services for youth, both in school and out of school, that help them to be their best self. So we have a large network of arts and culture organizations that help youth, after school mentorship programs that help youth. And also a lot of really active organizations and partners that are working with the school system. And we need to be pouring a lot of attention and support to them because they create a prosperous environment for this generation and then for future generations. So you can't make me pick a couple favorites because I have a million favorites, but um, I would start with those three. Okay. And it's not a matter of favorites. It's what's most urgent. I want to share one more thing that I think is distinctive about what we're doing at the Miami Foundation, just because of the nature of the challenges that we have here. There are some times where we end up doing direct service providing, which I think is more rare for an institution like ours. I'll give you an example. At the beginning of COVID, the biggest issue that we saw happening in the community was that there were 100,000 students who didn't have internet in their house and you can't go to school. They were not able to attend. We saw kids sitting in McDonald's parking lots, holding up a cell phone, you know, trying to log into the class. And it's just, we're better than that as a community. We have to be better than that. And what we saw as a foundation was we were getting, you know, a phone call from this donor wants to buy laptops for this classroom. And this donor wants to buy hotspots for that classroom. And it was like a train station of a million uncoordinated solutions. And what we 
realized is that if we didn't play a more directive role, we were going to end up pouring millions of dollars into like scattershot solutions and that everybody was not going to be on the same page. And we would have no idea which classrooms got five laptops and then entire neighborhoods that got nothing. And so we ended up pulling together, and this has now become something that we do more frequently, pull together everybody, all the funders at the same time, the school system, the county, Comcast, a variety of other partners, and we mapped out a strategic plan to reach the entire county. And then we ended up hiring a team of 18 individuals who did direct door-to-door signups so people stayed on the phone with them while they signed up for the internet with Comcast. We are not normally in the direct service space, but this was a moment where we realized we need to quarterback and we need to do And then, you know, as soon as we saw that become stable, we were able to then identify nonprofit partners who could take that work on and sustain it so that we could just oversee. But I think one of our roles as a community anchor is sometimes not just to cut our own individual checks for things, but to get everyone around the table solving with each other. That really is where the leadership of community foundations comes in. You know, a lot of people think it's all about the money. Um, You know, we talk about the money a lot, but the money is a part of it. The money is kind of the gas that you put in the engine, but the engine is actually the work that goes behind it. And a lot of it is You know, we're Switzerland, we're that neutral ground. We're like the town square where we can pull people together and say, okay, here's an issue. We've got to deal with this. All of you are working on a a piece here, a piece there, and a piece over there. Let's figure out how we put this together. And we're doing that with our health hub concept that we have in several of the communities here in Broward, where we've got nonprofits in different parts of our community where there are different needs in those different areas, but they were all working at odds with each other. Not as competitors, but there are people in the community didn't know what services were even available because, you know, they were so scattershot. So tying them together in sort of a hub concept where they have one place that they can go and they can learn about all of the different things that they need whether it's for their kids, for health, whether it's, you know, food insecurity, whether it's they're having some issue that's mental health related. I mean, they can get all of that in one spot. But what it speaks to is the leadership of a community foundation, which to me is the most important role that we play. I mean, sure, we can cut checks all day long. And there's a lot of foundations that are a lot bigger than our foundations are who can cut checks all day long. But the reality is what happens with that money once it gets out there? And isn't it better to have some sort of leadership initiative that that money supports so that you're actually driving change instead of just kind of throwing more gas in this engine, but you have no idea where the car is going? Somebody has to drive the car. And that's where the foundations can, you know, sit in the driver's seat. It reminds me of something someone mentioned to me about the Manhattan Project when they brought all the scientists together to develop the atomic bomb. And he was saying, that's what we need for the environment. And that's what you guys are talking about with the hubs and bringing people together who have the minds and understand the issues. I wonder if that's something that could even be developed further as a mission for our community to take on an issue once a quarter and say, let's get everybody together. And there's an initiative where community foundations are coming together to work on how we can all partner on something much greater, specifically with the environment. We're focused on the year end giving you know, setting up your endowments, making sure you're getting the biggest tax advantage out of your giving and you don't leave anything sitting on the table at the end of the year. You know, talking about IRA distributions and how you can use stock to create, you know, an endowed fund, that sort of thing. How to use your estate plan to leave a legacy. This is the time of the year where people are feeling charitable. So, you know, we 
push those messages. Not so much actually coordinating giving days and that sort of thing here. I mean, I, I really appreciate, Rebecca, you kind of giving me the insight into the unifying purpose of the giving days, because I think it's real easy for us to just look at giving days and go, oh, my God, the labor that goes into that is insane. And it's all passed through dollars. How does that benefit in the long term? But now I know. Yeah, Kirk, I, I think Give Miami Day has become such a tradition here that people actually look forward to that opportunity to give as a big community and the results. I mean, okay, I have to tell you, I looked ahead at the website and this year there were nearly 100,000 donations to more than 1,100 organizations, more than $34 million raised this year. (laughs) Bravo, Rebecca. And I know, like Kirk said, it is an insane amount of work. So, Rebecca, can you give us kind of a behind the scenes look at what goes into making Give Miami Day happen and how you end up with the kind of massive results that you get? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We have a new platform this year and it is amazing and I love it. Even if you have no idea where to start, you just know kind of an issue that you care about and you don't even know who does that work, you could go into the search bar and write health, I care about health or I care about food. And it keyword searches and pulls up the list of all of the organizations and you can click on an organization and it brings up their profile and you can see at a glance videos of the work that they do, their budget, what they're focused on, what a donation could help enable for every single organization in Miami. It's a huge education effort for our community, for people to find causes they care about and find an easy way for them to get involved and give back. But on the nonprofit side, you know, it's funny because this looks like a one day event. Um, And Mm. Kirk is right. Like there's a monster amount of work that goes behind the scenes. But remember, you know, because of the environment we're in, where so many organizations are small, they don't have fundraising departments. Some of them don't even have websites with a donation button. And so what this is for us, like about five months before before Give Miami Day, we begin hosting free trainings for every nonprofit in Miami on how to build a donor base, on how to engage your board, on how to thank a donor, on how to write your story and tell your story and how to capture on video or on social media what you do. And then we create a platform for them to tell their story, to engage their board, to put the video that they're creating, to thank people for getting involved in their work. And then we produce this like high visibility day where we're billboarding town and building a big audience so that they can enact all together in this huge burst of unity, their performance of great fundraising. And so what it looks like to a user in the community or a part participant is a one day give-a-thon. But to us, this is like the graduation ceremony for a half a year's worth of coaching and developing for nonprofits. Yeah. As soon as you said they get a description of the organization and a video and a profile, I was like, that in itself takes so much time to put together for one organization, much less a thousand. And I don't know if you go through a process of updating that database on an ongoing basis, once a year, twice a year, because they change their web addresses, they change their phone numbers, some of them shut down, new ones come in. How many people do you have dedicated to this process? None, no full-time people. Um, you know, the thing is, like, we need this to be lean because we want, like, this is not a profit center for the Miami Foundation. Like, we spend to produce this for the community. So we have somebody who does nonprofit registration. 
We have a capacity building partner who does coaching and workshops all year long related to this. We have a, a handful of people for whom a half a year of their life is dedicated towards supporting the nonprofits through this journey or cultivating the donors for this journey. But we don't have like a full-time production team doing this thing. And we're raising 30-something million dollars on the day. It's a million views on the day on this website for nonprofits. There's 100,000 donations coming through. It's really cool, the volume of it, but it's a non-existent staff. When you say a person... <laughs> like, what a person. That's just insane. It is. It is intensive. It is time intensive. Yes, it, it really is. But it is worth it because what it means then is we've helped curate basically a live gala for a thousand organizations that you never have to attend. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like my most important message is if you live, work or play in Miami, this is your time to find your cause and give back. Everybody in Miami steps up for the cause they care about. Okay. People are in a giving mood at this time of year. So Kirk, with the Community Foundation of Broward, what's the message that you want to get across? You know, when we talk about the big message, it's not very different from the message in Miami. I mean, when we talk to people, it's about give where you live. You live here. This is home. But one of the challenges that we face is that people don't necessarily affiliate themselves with Broward County as home. People will proudly say, I'm from Fort Lauderdale or I'm from Weston, but they won't say, oh, I'm from Broward County. Yay. So we have that to contend with. But really, the thing that we hear from people all the time, and we just heard it from one of our community builders who cut the ribbon on his plaque here. He said, you know, he's been charitable for years, has always given back in one way or another in different places that he's lived. He said, but this is his home. And he wanted to set up the endowment here for Broward because he wants to give back to the place that contributed to his 20, 30 years of business success and his life that he's been able to establish here. So it really is the give where you live, support the community that you're a part of, um, you know, you, making it a better place for somebody else makes it a better place for you, too. I think this time of the year, just elevating philanthropy in general and the visibility of philanthropy and getting people to be charitable, however they do it, benefits everybody and right. make this work for all of the nonprofits and all of the charities. So right. let's encourage those people to give wherever they give, just as long as they're giving and they start giving and they catch the bug and they realize, wow, there's a lot of joy in giving and seeing the result and actually creating change with the money that I'm giving. And, you know, one thing leads to another and, and it ends up you know, benefiting everybody. Those are great benefits right there. You know, the joy, the seeing the results, creating change. I mean, well, there's the tax, the tax benefits, <laughs> the tax but, but I'll tell you, in the, in the grand scheme of benefits, right, if you go down the list of all the value a foundation can provide, tax benefits are like several steps down on the list. They're not the top reason that people come to us. They come to us because they trust us. They want to have an impact with the dollars that they're putting out there. You know, the legacy is something that we're talking about. We've always talked about it, but more and more, especially in communities of color, the legacy conversation is huge. Somebody who's got $25,000 to set up a fund, you know, they would probably do it thinking of it as a legacy for their community. You know, the place where they live, the kids that grow up in that neighborhood, how can they make that money work for that community, that neighborhood forever in their name, you know, carry on the family name. You know, that's important to a lot of people. And um, 
we're able to uniquely as foundations do that. Anything to add to that, Rebecca? No, I mean, I echo a lot of those thoughts. And I will say like Broward does an incredible job with legacy planning and permanent gifts for the community. I think it's incredibly important. And, you know, it's a big part of the work that we do here too. But I'll say like, I, I admire the way you all approach it and also the responsiveness that your community has had related to it. And, you know, end of year is a time where people, both they're feeling kind of the fiscal closure and people thinking through what the impact was they had this year and often feeling both generous and nostalgic about the year. And so we we do see the biggest burst of generosity exactly in that moment. For us, we do have a variety of places where we've picked an issue and where we have a collaborative fund where people join in together at the end of the year. But the wish that I have for our community is just that people build a sense of belonging here and find the cause they care about and give back in whichever way, whether they're creating a permanent legacy gift, whether they're finding an organization that they give to. I just think it makes for a healthier, it makes for a healthier community. We need people like you. There's no question. And the heart of what you do is huge. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I think of the Grinch mm-hmm. at the end of the, the movie and the oh. heart is growing and growing and growing. <laughs> well, we're lucky. I mean, this is, it really is a great job to be able to work at a community foundation. From a personal perspective, I grew up in Broward. My family moved here in 1977. My kids are going to the same high school that my wife and I went to. You know, so I've seen this place change considerably since the 70s. And, you know, knowing that the work that I'm lucky enough to be able to be a part of every day makes a difference in in the community that my kids are growing up in and that I grew up in and have like in my heart, it, it makes a huge difference. Plus, I get to work with great people who all feel the same way about the job they're doing. Well, you know, what you do really does make a difference in the community. And so I hope that we've inspired some charitable feelings in our listeners. And you can get involved and support your community, too. Just visit both websites. (laughs) The Community Foundation of Broward is at cfbroward.org and the Miami Foundation miamifoundation.org. Kirk Engelhart, Vice President of Marketing and Communications for the Community Foundation of Broward, and Rebecca Fishman Lipsy, President, CEO of the Miami Foundation. We are just so fortunate to have you giving your hearts, your time to our big South Florida community. Thank you for what you do every single day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye-bye. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about today's show or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-S-1-E, at cmg.com. You can also leave comments on our open mic feature on our app that you can download from the iTunes or App Store. We'd love to know what you think. And please join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus. Have a great day.